The following presentation is brought to you by the Realm Network, The Bob Seska Show, presented by BubbleGenius.com. Hey folks, Bob here with this week's Bubble Genius Showcase Item of the Week. If the Twitter toddler in the White House has you completely stressed out, head on over to BubbleGenius.com and pick up their exclusive Republican voodoo doll featuring the face and body of our cartoon dictator. This item is only available for a limited time, so get yours now. Only $25 at BubbleGenius.com, with a third of the proceeds going to support the campaigns of resistance candidates across the country. Plus, if you use our promo code BOBC at checkout, you'll get 15% off your entire order only at BubbleGenius.com. And now, let the cartoons begin. Sweet, merciful crap! Broadcasting from Resistance Headquarters, relentlessly fighting back against the clown dictator and his regime of deplorables. Never give up. Never surrender. This is the Bob Seska Show, presented by BubbleGenius.com. Doc, I think I did pretty well in my tests. You may shake my hand if you like. Well, under the circumstances, I'd rather not. Eh? Mr. Burns, I'm afraid you are the sickest man in the United States. You have everything. You mean I have pneumonia? Yes. Juvenile diabetes? Yes. Hysterical pregnancy? A, a little bit, yes. You also have several diseases that have just been discovered in you. I see. You sure you just haven't made thousands of mistakes? Uh, no. No, I'm afraid not. This sounds like bad news. <laughs> well, you'd think so, but all of your diseases are in perfect balance. If you have a moment, I can explain. Well... Here's the door to your body, you see? And these are oversized novelty germs. Uh, that's influenza, that's bronchitis, and this cute little cuddlebug is pancreatic cancer. <laughs> Here's what happens when they all try to get through the door at once. Move it, shout ahead. We call it Three Stooges Syndrome. So what you're saying is... I'm indestructible. Oh, no, no. In, in fact, even a slight breeze could... Indestructible. Bob Seska! If you vote for me, all of your wildest dreams will come true. The Bob Seska Show! Hi, everybody! our nation's capital it is tuesday april 24 2018 and this is the bob seska show presented by bubblegenius.com i'm bob hi how are you hello bob hi we are brought to you by bubblegenius.com it is the best soap in the world also brought to you by the best lawyer in the world his name is charles bowen and he's at the bowenlawgroup.com okay hope you had a great weekend um lots to talk about today it is the trump crisis day 460 195 days until the 2018 midterms says who god damn it where do we begin oh oh hey look right over there it's uh, tv's buzz burbank hi, hi buzz how are you hello 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 hi bob thank you thank you and and uh it's it's good to talk to you i really i really needed to chat uh this week <laughs> maybe more than any other but before we begin uh where in the world did you find that tape of uh, white house dr ronnie jackson <laughs> Because I didn't know. Lordy, there are tapes. Yeah, I didn't Lordy. know. I didn't know that. 
Yeah. <laughs> right. Is it, are, are you referencing this doctor? Hi, everybody. Or the doctor that was examining Mr. Burns? Because The it doctor, be. the, Mr. Burns' doctor I, is who I had in mind. Yeah, it could be either one, though. Yeah. Hysterical pregnancy? A little bit. <laughs> Just a little, yeah. I, just, I love that. But yeah, it's turning out that Dr. Ronnie Jackson is, in fact, the same guy as Dr. Bornstein. Hi, everybody. Or that guy from The Simpsons. Uh, right. And you know, I think, Buzz, were you on the show right after? I, I forget exactly who was on yeah. the show right after that that press conference where Ronnie Jackson got up and clearly lied about the president's physical condition. I, I don't know if you and I had a chance to talk I, about that, but I, I, I still... Think I, I think I missed that one, but we were, yeah. we were having that conversation telepathically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, he, I mean, here's the thing. I mean, I've been saying since that day that he was full of shit and and there were a lot of people who emerged i mean good people friendly friendlies uh on our side of of the debate over trump and everything like that and and uh and they were all saying well ronnie jackson's a good honest man i mean well how could you possibly question his veracity how could you question his uh, his skills as a doctor well we find this out a, and, and we wonder why it's hard to get good people in public life yeah. because we find out stuff about them so if you have anything in your life that we uh, may find out about uh your chances are not going to be very good if he had just been allowed to remain quietly as the white house doctor we we wouldn't we wouldn't know about the drinking, the pill dispensing, and the yep. uh, hostile work environment. Wink, wink. Which I think we know <laughs> what what that means. Yeah. Uh, you know, we'd never know about that, and he could just go on living his life and be happy and annoy people. And uh, you know, we would have, you and I would have never known about this. But now, now we know all because Trump thought this guy who happened to be in the White House uh, would, would, would would make a good veterans administrator, even though he has never run anything, including a Cub Scout troop in his life. That's right. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's just astounding, but uh, par for the course. And uh, just another... Another casualty along the side of the Trump road. Well, who knew that Trump would just make things worse for Trump? I mean, that's exactly <laughs> what he's done here once again. And, and I have this theory. And again, I've got lots of little crazy conspiracy theories about Donald Trump that I have zero evidence of except for my own two eyes watching. This is like Bill Maher's. I don't know this to be true, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. A and in this case, I was watching that press conference and Ronnie Jackson looked all. He looked pale. He looked sweaty. He looked nervous. He looked. His sure. eyes looked like he had like the raccoon eyes going on. And I know he's an admiral in the navy. And okay, sure. And you know, guys like John Favreau came out and said, "Oh, well, he's you know, he's a good guy. He's a good guy. Don't 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 uh, incriminate uh, uh, Ronnie Jackson for <laughs> for trying to perpetuate one of Trump's lies about his physical condition." And then, right. but I'm looking at him and I'm going, this cannot be true. I mean, if you look at Donald Trump in any random photograph and then you hear, let, let's take, for example, the photograph of Donald Trump standing there with Stormy Daniels, where his whole head just looks like it's about to explode, like a zit or something like that. He just is not a healthy looking man. And he, and it probably takes him a good hour and a half, two hours. It's almost like the makeup chair in a big Hollywood blockbuster movie where Donald Trump has to sit down and for four hours they have to prep his hair and his makeup and his long tie and his ill-fitting suits and get him all prepared in his uniform for him to step out in public and that's donald trump after he's been made up that's donald trump when he's looking yeah. his best and he 
still looks like he's about to die. And yet Ronnie Jackson got up there and said, oh, he's got great genetics. I mean, no, nothing yes. to see here. No, <laughs> that's that's the it. big standout. Yeah, it's a big standout from what all of the things that Jackson said. The thing that uh, because of his genetics, yeah. <laughs> if it weren't for his diet, meaning uh, McDonald's hamburgers and Kentucky Fried Chicken, that it, this <laughs> Trump would live to be 200 years old. 200. I, I keep asking myself, if I, if I spent all that time in medical school, all those years, all that very, very hard work and got my degree and got my doctorate and got my license to practice medicine and got a, a reputation as at least a good physician, uh, why would I jeopardize that or embarrass myself by standing in front of a nation and saying, this guy could live to be 200? How can you, the old the world's oldest man just died at the age of 117. I, I don't mean to make everything literal, but if you're a doctor, isn't it kind of important to get these things right? Yeah. I, I just, I it floors me. You know, it's it's another surprising example, I guess, of how much others are willing to lie for Trump or to carry his life. It's just truly an amazing phenomenon. The number of people who will go to bat for this guy, for this unmitigated, this unrepentant monster who just treats everyone like shit. I mean, even the people he hires, yes, he yeah, doesn't Cohen. pay them. Yeah. I mean, he's constantly yeah. berating them. I mean, we hear leaks out of the White House about how he treats everybody horribly, including Michael Cohen, who's not even a member of the White House. Says who? Yeah, especially yeah. him. And we'll, we'll talk about that when we get back, but him more than anyone. R right, right. So what I think happened here and this is the continuation of my crazy conspiracy theory for which i have uh -huh. zero evidence is uh -huh. that i think donald trump rewarded ronnie jackson's loyalty for that press conference by offering him the nomination uh to uh, become the secretary of veterans affairs and and, and right mm -hmm. and since he's an admiral and since donald trump outranks him this uh -huh. is a military man who's probably going to just take orders like H.R. McMaster yeah. or Mad Dog Mattis or, in, in, to a certain respect, John Kelly. Uh, they have that military wiring. So if Donald Trump mm -hmm. says, okay, for your loyalty for lying about my physical condition, here's, right. here's a secretary post in my cabinet. Oh, uh, geez, I guess I should start drinking right now, Mr. President, because yeah, I don't, and I don't it, want that job. And even yeah, exactly. Even if Ronnie Jackson didn't want that job, what choice did he feel he had? Well, yeah. he had a choice, of course. It's mm -hmm. silly to say he didn't, but um, I can understand why. You know, and and if gee, if the president of the United States thinks you're good enough for the job. Maybe I am. Yeah. You know, so there's a certain amount of that at play as well, I think. If you're just uh, catching up with what's going on with Ronnie Jackson, what we know is at this point there are claims floating around, and obviously they've made them all the way. These claims have made their way all the way up to uh, Capitol Hill and members of the United States Senate. And the thing is, is that apparently uh, Ronnie Jackson, and this is according to New York Times, drank too much on the job now jackie schechner raised an interesting point of order which is sh sh does too much even matter in that sentence the words yeah, too much. How, much how much on the job are you allowed to drink that's yeah. the question that <laughs> poses when you're a doctor for god's sake all right i'm gonna do your turn your head and cough exam here now let me let me just go over to the back and drink half a fifth of jack daniels and i'll be right back <laughs> Can oh, you imagine right. that at your? Can you imagine that at your job? Oh, <laughs> a guy 
Sir, thank you so much for hiring me. Uh, just one question before we start. How many drinks can I have a day during my shift? <laughs> right. That's it. What yeah, do you I, consider? Of course, for you and I, that's okay because we're not giving prostate exams to the president. What we're doing, <laughs> we're just talking. Well, that... That may that you've just explained why he drinks. <laughs> there you go. I think we just cracked that nut. I uh-huh. think we're on to something now. I guess if you have to examine the president, you have to be drunk yeah. at the same time. So you know, I guess Ronnie Jackson could blame his his drinking on the job <laughs> on, on the, the, on the anal exams. Yes, exactly. <laughs> That's right, and that that would also explain my drinking on the job. It's all about <laughs> Trump. Trump makes us all drink on the job. I think that. Uh, that issue is solved. Maybe we should alert the uh, Senate committees. We'll give him a pass for uh, drinking on the job, but we'll pass on him as a heading of Veterans Affairs. <laughs> well, so there's also other allegations of uh, misprescribing or overprescribing medication. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, you know, again, putting on my uh, my conspiratorial tinfoil <laughs> hat, I was, my, the first uh, word that popped into my head when I heard that story on Rachel last night was, Adderall, <laughs> because uh-huh. he's probably prescribing Adderall to the president, which uh, I, I would imagine came down as a suggestion from Donald Trump Jr. Say, hey, you know what? You want to feel really good when you're delivering one of your rallies here? Try these. And then, of course, Donald Trump gets hooked on those. And we see, I, you know, I've had this ongoing theory buzz that uh, that Donald Trump, when he goes off on these Twitter jags, when he just c- can't shut up mm-hmm. and he's whining on Twitter incessantly throughout the course of a weekend. It's a combination of too much time on his hands and way too much with some sort of medication. I don't know what the or, medication or, is. Could or, be. Or, or he's gone off his meds. Either yeah. one. You know, and as you're outlining this, I'm thinking of Elvis. I'm thinking, I'm thinking of a guy. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm thinking of an overweight guy eating in bed, mm-hmm. surrounded by a posse of yes men. And a doctor who will do or say whatever he wants. Right. Have we seen this movie before? <laughs> yes, we have. I wouldn't. The- has he shot out any TVs? That's, <laughs> that's right. That's right. Are they going to examine him and find out that he's got a 40-pound impacted colon filled with white chalky material? <laughs> a boy Which was dream. the uh, the rumor about Elvis after mm-hmm. Elvis died. He had a... Uh, Actually true. Actually yeah. true. Uh, the, the man who conducted the autopsy of Elvis wrote a book about that autopsy. Oh, I gave it... I gave it as a gift to one of my doctors. He was delighted. Uh, I'm sure. I'm sure. That's a fascinating read. Uh, and, yes, and, and and boy, I hope one of these days, Buzz, we're giving gifts of uh, Trump's autopsy to our our, our neighborhood doctor. Yeah. Say, hey, read yeah. this. This is entertaining. Trump's autopsy. Maybe that'll happen. Well, soon. we're gonna have to live to be 200. Yeah, but not if you ask Ronnie Jackson, because yeah, right, right. he's he's gonna live to be 200 years old. Uh, right. So this appears to be off the rails. It appears that this guy's name is gonna get withdrawn. I going yeah. way out on a limb here. I know. Nah. <laughs> now you're you're right about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They've they, it appears they're postponing uh, the vote, uh, and and the truth is what everybody agrees on is they're never going to vote on this guy. No, no, it's, he's he's history. He's ghost. He's vapor. He's out of here. Well, you know, Donald Trump isn't the only world leader with some sort of uh, physical malady or some sort of physical illness. Uh, apparently, uh, President French President Emmanuel Macron has an issue with dandruff. Holy God, dandruff! And of course. Trump completely embarrassed him in front of the uh, the press pool today in the uh, in the Oval <laughs> Office. He's just I, I don't know if that. You, I don't know if you saw no, it, Buzz, but it. no, I didn't. Here's the uh, here's the big event from today in which Donald oh, Trump embarrasses the world. 
the world should be embarrassed by this episode. Here's Donald Trump and Emmanuel Macron in the Oval Office in which Donald Trump points out that Macron has dandruff on his shoulder. Oh, oh please play this. Here we go. Saying what a great relationship we have. And they're actually correct. It's not fake news. Finally, oh. it's not fake news. So it's a great honor. Great honor that you're here. But we do have a very special relationship. In fact, I'll get that little piece of dandruff for <laughs> we have to make him perfect. He is perfect. So it is really uh, oh my god! It is really great to be with you and your oh, special friend. Go fuck Thank, Thank, Thank you. Seriously, that. He- <laughs> oh, Grandpa! Uh, and he reaches. Just- he literally reaches up with yeah. one of his tiny stubby fingers and 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 like whooshes the little bit of dandruff off of uh, Macron's lapel as he's saying all of this. And then what I would give, and I know Macron is not a, a large man, <laughs> but what I would give if somebody, uh, him or someone else, in that situation, just hold off and slugged him. You know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah, just, I know. Just, I know. Just sock him in the nose. It's just a matter of time, though, Buzz, before he's in one of those uh, summit meetings. They're just boom, 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 right in the goddamn kisser. Right, right in the kisser. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> you know, and then we all cheer. So, uh, and then, of course, as we learned, uh, there will be no, I think there's one Democrat who's coming to the state dinner. All other Democrats have been barred, yeah. as well as the press has been barred, which makes you wonder, too, I mean, what's the point of a uh, of a state dinner like the one that they're going to hold? Obviously, it's a white tie affair. These state dinners are a big deal. But mm-hmm. what's the point if there's no press, if there's no pictures and the public doesn't know that it's going on? Does it really matter? And so because wonder- Donald Trump's world is very, very small, <laughs> and 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 it <laughs> it true. mostly entails what's within his immediate vicinity. Mm-hmm. And right now, it's Macron, and he and he loves Macron or thinks he does, and he wants to impress Macron the way Macron impressed him yeah. Yeah. when Trump went to France. He doesn't have the parade ready to show off yet. So, and I understand Melania has organized this uh, state dinner and uh, a lot of the events surrounding it, that she was very happy and excited to do so, that she likes doing this kind of thing. I've seen the menu. It's all going to be very nice. You're right. There'll be no press there. Uh, You know, I I don't recall, I don't recall any significant uh, news coming out of coverage of previous state dinners. Uh, Trump simply doesn't like the press, obviously. But moreover, this was just about making one man happy, Macron. Yeah. Uh, this was just about trying to impress his new friend or somebody he thinks is his friend or he <laughs> right. thinks is his only friend. Uh, what I've been reading from others is that Macron plays Trump like a fiddle. Oh, yeah. Uh, that that he knows what buttons to push and how to... How do I, which, which I hope is true because Macron is trying to uh, get uh, Trump to uh, get back into the Paris uh, Climate Accord, but uh, most immediately trying to get Trump not to pull out of the Iran nuclear deal. And I hope that uh, Trump is so in love with Macron and so easily manipulated by him that Macron can convince Trump to stay in the Iran nuclear deal. Mm-hmm, right. And then also there was another awkward physical moment where, and there's a great picture of it. I retweeted it. So you can look at my uh, Twitter timeline if you want to see what this mm-hmm. looks like. But it, we learned in the Comey memos that Donald Trump, or actually we learned again in the Comey memos that Trump is fascinated for some reason by the telephones in the White House. I don't know. He can't get enough of the telephones. <laughs> I think they're amazing. I bet he thinks that little tiny people live inside. But he was. there's a photo of Donald Trump in the Oval Office with Macron in which Donald Trump is showing Macron his phones, 
Like, look, <laughs> look at these phones. I, I don't understand because, I mean, yeah, Donald Trump can do some crazy things on those phones by, you know, Probably. for example, ordering a nuclear strike or, you know, I mean, there, lots of world leaders have communicated over those phones. But they're sure. just office phones. I mean, there's nothing so. particularly yeah. special but, about them. But again, again, rewind <laughs> to being eight years old. And yeah. <laughs> you have, uh, you're an eight-year-old boy uh-huh. or girl, it doesn't matter, and you have a, a, a friend, an eight-year-old friend come over and visit, and they, you, you're excited to show them your room. Yeah. You're excited to show them your toys, the things <laughs> in your room. <laughs> right. And uh, Trump is that. That I mean, whether he's being a bully or something else, he's eight years old. Yeah, whether right. he's, whether he's choosing his his nutrition, whether he's uh, uh, debating someone, uh-huh. uh, or whether he's trying to impress someone, he's that eight year old boy. Oh yeah, you know George yeah. W. Bush was kind of like that too. I always want to put uh, <laughs> put all of this into context and perspective in terms of previous disastrous presidencies. But I remember mm-hmm. there was a funny story that came out of the uh, I think it was the second term, the second Bush term, in which Bush had uh, some world leader. I forget who the world leader was. It doesn't even matter. But he's showing uh, this world leader around the Oval Office. Comes to the mm-hmm. painting of George Washington, the famous unfinished painting of George Washington, and says, uh, "You know the interesting thing about George Washington?" And the uh, the world leader goes, "What is that, Mister President?" And George Bush uh, replies and says. You know, the interesting thing about George Washington is I read two books about George Washington. <laughs> and, that, and that was a that was a real exchange that happened in front of the press right. where he said that the, the best thing that Bush could come up with about George Washington was that he read two books about George Washington. That's how insightful that president was. Well, you know, if I if I were elected president and that'll never happen. But if if that uh, in our imaginary world were to happen. I would be excited to have you uh, as a, a friend up to the White House and to show you all these wonderful toys because I'm sure they have them. <laughs> yeah, you know, there's right. no no doubt about it. There are buttons for this and that, and you know, it would be very uh, exciting and and something you'd really want to show off. If I were president of the United States and I was meeting with a world leader, I would not be acting like that. No, of course not. And meanwhile, by the way, speaking of world leaders, Donald Trump referred to uh, referred to Kim Jong Un as an honorable man. Uh-huh. As an honorable uh-huh. man, and I'm sure the uh, North Korean people would agree <laughs> with that under under great yeah. duress, and, under threat and of likewise, execution. Right? Likewise, Kim Jong Un has said some very kind things about apparent incoming Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, uh, yeah. uh, who he said has a lot of guts, and and he says is the only Westerner who he's met with who's had the same kind of guts that Kim Jong Un has that he has himself. By the way, uh, you know, speaking of uh, George W. Bush, obviously over the weekend, Barbara Bush died. And we're going to be yes. talking about the Bushes a little bit uh, in yeah. our postmortem show. But there was one photo that I wanted to mention. There was a photograph of the uh, the funeral in which uh, obviously both of the Clintons attended. Barack right. Obama and Michelle Obama were there. And Melania Trump was there. And Barack mm-hmm. Obama sat down right next to Melania yes. Trump. And there's a great photo of the two yes. of them having a quiet little chat in the pew. And, and smiling and laughing. And she's smiling and, and Obama's smiling. Is there the, he's telling her some sort of joke, obviously. And it was just yeah. entertaining to see finally that Melania was capable of cracking a smile uh, because you wouldn't know it from the time she spent with uh, with Donald Trump. Right. At least I, I have a friend. I have a radio friend who uh, did a beautiful tweet to Trump uh, <laughs> that, that it was it featured that picture with the caption, this is what your wife looks like when she's happy. <laughs> the 
Yeah, right, right. Well, you know, I I don't know if you do this on Twitter, Buzz, but I spend a lot of time crafting uh, entertaining or interesting tweets. I I spend a lot of time on Twitter every day, sort of like the president. I know you do, and you're better at it than I am. (laughs) Well, I mean, I don't know about that, because (laughs) what happens is the the ones that I spend some time on, I really think Uh about, or I I take a little time to craft the wording and things like that, see if it all fits. So that's the secret. Yeah, right, right. (laughs) Right. The problem is that the ones that I end up just firing off while I'm taking Uh a crap, those Uh are the ones that end up getting huge amounts of likes and retweets so i retweeted that picture of obama <laughs> talking to melania and melania right. smiling and right. i wrote do not tweet this photo to real donald right. trump he'll hate knowing that the first time melania cracked a smile in years was during a quiet chat with obama and yeah. and of course you know my poop tweet gets uh, uh retweeted fifteen thousand times with thirty nine thousand likes right that yeah, was the- because it because it literally comes from the gut. That's exactly right. Right, right. I'm sure, yeah. Uh, and that's it. That's what happened in that case. But I, I love this dynamic on Twitter where you, you just fire something off. You're not even really yeah. thinking about it. And that's the one that goes hugely viral. So Right. It's the ones that appeal to the lizard brain that, uh, <laughs> right, right. that work the best. Oh, and by the way, hashtag humble brag. Uh, okay. So uh, here come the copycat Trumpers. This is, uh, this is something oh, that boy. I really, really want to dig into. Sure. Uh, Greg Sargent of the Washington Post had a great piece about this. The New York Times ran a piece about it also. And this is something that I've been fearing for a long time, Buzz, which is the idea that the idea of the viral Trumpism, the pervasive uh, Trumpism that that begins with Donald Trump, of course. And then you've got a whole posse yeah. of people who are fanning out and running for office right now. Based on Trumpism, based on the ideas and okay. the attitude Here, that Trump that uh, the Trump has started. Here's my cut to the chase question because I want to hear whatever yeah. you have to say about this. My cut to the chase question is: Is it working? Are they getting elected? Well, that's the big question. But of course, the first step toward getting elected is, of course, to grab on to Trumpism and borrow right. it and become a copycat of it and a purveyor of it. And that's what we're seeing now. And of course, the idea is to build upon Trump's base to have, you know, we've got this 40 percent of people who approve of Trump. So I guess if we start with that 40 percent and pander to them using all the same Trumpisms, then we can easily build up another 10 points or whatever it takes to win uh, a majority of the voters in our in mm. state and district, what have you. And so, of course, now they're all lining up. And this is where this is where we end up inching too dangerously close to that line where Trumpism starts to merge into this growing sense of idiocracy where, you know, it's only a matter of time before suddenly we're looking at President Camacho and we're spritzing our crops with Brondo. I mean, we're really that close because all it takes is an election and our elections, as we know, are badly compromised. They're badly well, compromised from so, a lot of different directions, as it turns out. And I want to yeah. hope we talk about that at some point. But uh, I, I just finished reading uh, an opinion piece in the Washington Post uh, that uh, the headline for which was uh, Trump's historic unpopularity is a big, important story. And uh, it, it focuses on a most recent Gallup poll, and it really gets deeply into the poll and uh, talks about uh, Trump's disapproval, the disapproval of not just him personally, but of his attempt at a re-election, uh, Americans are vastly opposed to that. Uh, the article surmises that a lot of this is because of uh, what is now a growing rejection 
of Trumpism. Yeah. Uh, that the numbers, whatever his, and, and again, I, I, I'm reluctant to embrace that 40% figure. I just don't think that, and this is, I have to put this part in all caps, when push comes to shove, that I, I don't think that it's going to be that strong. And and based on the anti-Trump and anti-Trumpism sentiment that's out there, I, I, I wonder if, if it might actually go the other way. There is that danger. We should be aware of it. You're right to point it out. Uh, they are out there. I haven't seen them have a lot of success yet. And uh, this latest Gallup poll and the post anal- analysis of it uh, indicate to me that we we might be safe, but uh, I, we do have to stay on our guard. Uh, the best <laughs> the best victory for us is their defeat, uh, and 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 by that I mean uh, it's good news for the nation if they don't win. Yeah, and I, I think there's a chance they won't. You know, I appreciate your optimism, and I, and I really, really do. I, I value it because, you know, so often you talk me down off a ledge. But but I'm looking at this number right here before we go to a break to talk uh-huh. about Beachbody uh-huh. On Demand. This this poll number that you uh, you referenced, or the, the latest polling from Gallup. Um, right. There's another interesting section of that poll that gives me... Uh, it makes me want to shit myself. Uh, here it is. Uh, 59% of registered voters believe that Trump does not deserve to be reelected. Okay, great. Right, right. 37% of voters say Trump deserves reelection. Now, uh-huh. that is great news on the surface. You're like, wow, that's, right. that's pretty huge, especially uh, leading into a midterm election where a mm-hmm. president is this unpopular, this vastly unpopular. But right. then if we look at historical precedent, and I I know in a lot of ways the age of Trump and Trumpism <laughs> abandons a lot of historical does, presence. Does not apply. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, uh, screw me. I mean, that was me throughout the 2016 campaign. This pa- this can't possibly happen because of history. History uh-huh. tells us that guys like Trump get defeated and, and soundly rejected from the political stage. But right. but if we do look at history and we look back at the at previous two presidents right before a midterm in which the, their mm-hmm. own party got blown out. Mm-hmm. Bill Clinton was at 38% uh, in terms of yeah. this number. Where it says there 37% of Trump uh, voters say Trump deserves re-election. 38% of voters say that Bill Clinton deserves re-election yes, leading into the, the 1994 but, midterms. But as the Post points out... Clinton didn't have the high disapproval number that Trump had. Ah, I see. So that's see, a- and so there's even that, and that's and that's what this is about. Uh, the Post takes issue with the fact that Gallup focuses on the similarities to Clinton, for example, and yeah. uh, the one other I don't remember. Obama, yeah, there was an Obama. Uh, Obama at thirty-seven percent deserved re-election. Right. So while while Trump matches the numbers of Clinton and Obama on re-electability. Uh, what he doesn't have that those other two men had were higher approval numbers. Yeah, uh, yeah. he has a, Trump has a disapproval number that is dramatically bigger, and that's why the Post also has some skepticism. And and the other thing about that thirty seven percent, Bob, is I don't see that number going up. I see that number might go down. It might not go down. It might go down a little. It might go down a lot, depending on what unfolds in the news. I don't. I can't imagine. A circumstance in which it would go up, and and I've gotten over my worry 
about, oh, what if he strikes a deal with North Korea and he's made uh, a, I was just going to say that. Because <laughs> uh, I, I, I remember worrying about that. And yeah. I said, well, what if that, or what if the tax uh, cuts, you know, what if people really love them and, and that turns out to be a successful political ploy? Well, guess what? Uh, the tax thing didn't work. It's still vastly unpopular. Yep. The, Dem- the the Republicans are in a spot now because they, they thought that was the thing that was going to carry them through midterms and come to find out people People are not that appreciative of of the tax cut that uh, that they got the temporary tax cut that they got while a much bigger tax cut and a more permanent tax cut went to the wealthy it turns out that's not popular at all and so the thing the republicans were banking on isn't there anymore and uh, the I, i'm increasingly skeptical that anything uh, significant real and lasting will come out of the North Korean situation. Any de- any delay of war, any any uh, avoidance of war is uh, is a victory, is a success in this case. Uh, but but uh, as far as anything we can rely on coming out of a Trump Kim summit, I I just don't think it's so. I don't think he's going to have that success. That's why I believe the numbers can stay steady. They can go down a little. I don't see how they can go up at that 37%. Yeah, I hope, I really hope you're right, because obviously this portends, these numbers portend good things for the midterms, but bad uh-huh. things for re-election prospects, unless we were to, to loop in that uh, that approval number the, as well. The, the Exactly, and the dis- yeah. more significantly, the disapproval number, and that's the rejection of Trumpism that uh, that the post was referencing in its analysis of those Gallup numbers. Well, right, and actually that's a that's a great point to bring up because uh we were talking last week in which uh we were looking at uh, national polls versus local and state polls or uh, district-wide mm-hmm. and state polls. And right. knowing that national polls are really kind of irrelevant in a uh, in a midterm election, you have to uh, mm-hmm. really burrow yes. down to that local yes. level and find out what people are thinking in a specific right. district to do determine what the overall landscape is so you have to go district by district by district to determine who's going to take over the house in the fall and in this case um i i think maybe some of these copycats are also looking at local polling and thinking, well you know what maybe this isn't so popular nationally but locally in my district or in my state maybe this this trumpism shit works out really really well there's a good example there's a there's a primary today is it uh is it nevada am i remembering i think it's is it arizona arizona thank you yeah it's no you're right you're right you're right it's arizona and uh we're probably going to lose that one Right. And and we're going to have to be okay with that. <laughs> we're talking about a district where this election, the special election is being held today, where there are I'm trying to remember the number, did it was it 78,000 more Republicans than Democrats oh, in yeah. that district? So, uh, even if every Republican turns out uh they're not going to. Uh, they're, they're just. We're not going to succeed in, in beating them. Republican will get that one, and th- this underscores the point you're making about it. Really, is a district by district thing. Th- this district in Arizona is so red, there is no turning it. What we have done, I think, it, what we've accomplished in Arizona, or what Trump's accomplished in Arizona, <laughs> is has cut Republican support in half. So uh, what uh, when Trump had a 21 point victory. In that red Arizona district uh, in the fall of 2016, yeah, uh, the current Republican candidate is looking at best at a 10 percent uh, lead. It may be as small as zero. Wow. We, we believe the Republican will win by uh, somewhere between zero and 10 
points, depending on which poll you believe. Uh, we do not think the Republican will lose. But look where that lead go. It got cut by more than half. Yeah, I just wait for the Trumpers after this election, after the special election. Uh, first thing right. tomorrow, all the Trumpers will be like, well, so much for the blue wave. Without, of yeah, course, right. without, of course, yeah, looking we'll at the numbers of because they're so well, I, I, I know you have to get to Beachbody on demand, but uh, this just in. Oh Trump, says he would, Trump says he would understand uh-huh. if Veterans Affair nominee decides not to go through the confirmation process. Quoting Trump, if I were him, I wouldn't do it. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, but God. at least we know about the drinking now. Yeah, yeah, we do. Great. So what I really want to know is... What are Trump's actual physical uh, statistics? I mean, where because he doesn't weigh two hundred thirty nine pounds. I assure you, he does not weigh two hundred thirty nine pounds. There's I keep no hoping. Way. I keep hoping that one of these people he's burned, and in this case, he's burned Ronnie Jackson. I keep hoping one of them will just say, "Okay, you know what? All bets are off. Here's what I know." <laughs> yeah, that would be so great. And I'm yeah. just, you know, all, all that requires is for Trump to throw this guy under a bus, and we'll right. see if that actually happens. And it'll happen it's- through back channels and leaks. It won't happen overtly, but Trump will throw this guy under a bus at some point, and it looks like that might be it's, starting now. It's getting very crowded under that Access Hollywood bus. <laughs> Exactly right. All right. Well, speaking about uh, get, getting yourself into shape like the president ought to, but probably won't. Uh, well, he should be getting Beachbody on demand. It's the online fitness streaming service that gives you unlimited access to a wide variety of highly effective world class workouts personalized for you. Beachbody on demand also offers extensive nutrition guidance based on proven results. That means no Big Macs, Mr. President. And it's convenient. You never have to go to a gym or schedule a class. And I, I just, I try to go to gyms, and I, I do, but I don't like it. So I, I would much prefer to be able to do some of these exercises at home. Uh, Beachbody On Demand is accessible on any internet-connected computer, phone, tablet, or TV. So you can even use it when you travel. And especially if you're short on time, Beachbody On Demand workouts can be as quick as 10 minutes or last more than an hour. There's a progress, or there's a program for every fitness level and workouts range from cardio to weights, yoga, low impact, and even dance. 600 different workouts. But you, that you can sort by type or choose your favorite uh, favorite trainer or your favorite length of time that you want to do it. I'm working on the Body Beast workout right now. I seem to remember you bragging about bench pressing something on Twitter. So, I <laughs> no, that sounds about right. <laughs> it's a 90-day program, six days a week, approximately 40 minutes each workout. Body Beast is a powerful, fat-burning, muscle-defining, weight-training program that helps can get you uh, completely ripped and chiseled in just 90 days. And I'm working on it. I swear to God, I'm working on it. And because abs are made in the kitchen, too, Beachbody On Demand offers nutritional guidance, a wide choice of recipes, tips on meal prep, and simple eating plans. Best of all, and that's my biggest problem. My biggest problem is the eating. I eat way too many carbs, and Beachbody On Demand is helping me out with that. Best of all, cool. it's, uh, it's so affordable. A free trial gets you all 600 workouts and all of their nutrition info but you want to keep going with a, a subscription that's cheaper than a gym membership at least uh, sign up for that total access free trial but you have to text the code bobc to 303030 to get it no spaces just text bobc to 303030 to get beach body on demand again that's bobc texted to 303030 go do it right now mr president the bob seska show Bob Seska Show, presented by BubbleGenius.com. 
Yep, welcome back. It's our Tuesday show with Buzz Burbank. Uh, God, we're talking about uh, talking about all the Trump copycats. But first, uh, make sure to go shopping through our Amazon link. It's the all-caps Amazon link just beneath the logo at bobseska.com. You go shopping at Amazon.com because that link takes you right to the front page. You buy lots of stuff, and we get a teeny tiny commission from some of the things you purchase. Thank you for going and doing that. Also, make sure to give us a five-star rating and review on iTunes. That is your homework. As always, go and uh, and help us out over on iTunes. Subscribe. Why don't you? It's free. A, a very short radio story, if I may, that I think you and, and the listeners will enjoy. <laughs> okay, great. Very short. Once worked with a, a wonderful, wonderful guy uh, who used the name Human Hank Stone <laughs> as as his air name, uh-huh. and uh, and Hank Hank had uh, Hank had had a little smoke, it had a little weed, and <laughs> yeah. he was doing his show, and uh, to Hank's horror, it was suddenly time to read a live sixty second commercial, <laughs> and I stood behind him and watched as he read this commercial beautifully. Uh-huh. He read it perfectly. He did his job uh, because uh, you know he didn't ask how many uh, hits you were allowed to have on the job. Uh, he just he did it and and he and he did it perfectly. Uh-huh. And he turned off the microphone and he turned to me and he said, "Did that seem like a long time to you?" <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was just going to ask you the same thing, uh, and I only wish I was stoned right now as, a, as an excuse for the long yes. read. I, I know exactly what you're talking about. Okay, right. so so back to these copycat Trumpers, and, and uh-huh. I think the the main thesis, my main objective with all of this, is ending Trumpism. I think that's the uh-huh. main yeah. goal right now. It's not just getting well, rid of Trump yeah. and getting Trump to a point where he has to resign or is impeached right. or is it doesn't right. win a renomination by the Republican Party in, in 2020. One of those scenarios has to happen. Yes, number one. Number two, Trumpism has to end too. The whole idea of this populist bozo screaming uh, racist bromides to the masses and getting all of the upper middle-aged white men to cheer and, and wear their red hats to every event and pretend they're Donald Trump and to cheer him on. Uh, that's got to end too, because that's really where it becomes viral, where where the more people start to take Donald Trump's ideas and Donald Trump's mentality and then pa- maybe even package it in a much smarter package and a much more together, much more politically savvy package. That's the worst nightmare. That is the nightmare sure. scenario. Of course, of course it is. And I'm sure that someone will try this again. And I suspect they will do a more sophisticated job right. of it than we have seen from this incompetent from this Three Stooges syndrome, as outlined by the doctor at the beginning of the oh, show, oh yeah, yeah, uh, they 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 are the Three Stooges in in that respect, and and so that's why it's been so easy to catch them. Uh, the other thing I worry about, part of defeating Trumpism, Bob, and this is the thing that's foremost on my mind this week, is we those of us who are against Trumpism need to unite in order to defeat it. Yeah. And we are now very badly broken up. I know you've encountered the Bernie supporters at at various turns. They're still out there, and they're as... They are as enthusiastic, uh, as uh, fired up as they have ever been, and perhaps are more so. Yeah. Uh, And they are against Trump. We are against Trump. But as long as they and we keep fighting each other... We cannot defeat him. 
we cannot defeat Trumpism. No. And these copycat candidates, as long as we are divided. And huh, this is the thing that weighs heaviest on me this week. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm convinced we're going to defeat Trumpism and uh, that it will happen soon and that it will be gone for a long time. Uh, and that's good. Yeah. Uh, but I, what I worried about is is the division th- that will keep us from keeping it happening again. Yeah, and the, the great irony in that, Buzz, is that it's really the Bernie people, that, that whole Bernie faction of the left, that doesn't believe that Trumpism is a problem, where they're actually saying that, well, this, well, this Trump thing yeah. is a distraction from this issue and that issue and income inequality and all the things that they prioritize. And that's where the, the butting of heads takes place. Because Worse then, than that. Worse yeah. than that. They see the one party that can defeat Trumpism yep. as being just as bad. Right. And this, is the, this is the thing that drives me crazy. Uh, they There are... Uh, many people, and first of all, I, I mean, uh, our greatest, our greatest challenge right now is people who have not voted. Mm-hmm. Uh, w- the thing that got Trump elected, if you want to, if you want to uh, make a priority list of how Donald Trump got elected, the number one item on that list, far and away, has to be the number of people who did not vote. Yeah. Also on that list, and in no particular order, are the people who, who supported Sanders and Stein and and, and, and Gary, what's his name, uh, who you know who broke up what vote there was. Right. Uh, part of the blame obviously goes to Russian interference. Part of the blame goes to the Republican Party for the gerrymandering, the the voter restrictions, uh, and those kinds of things. So there, there's a lot of reason. There are a lot of reasons that we ended up with Donald Trump. But the biggest one is people who didn't vote. And uh, the second biggest problem on our side anyway is this fighting among ourselves. And we're going to keep having Trumps and Trumpism and copycats as long as we keep fighting yeah. with among ourselves. I, I you know what? I completely understand. You know, and it's just it's one of those things where well, which side gives in? Which which, <laughs> which side starts to play along? And it seems to be as if the the side that got targeted by the Russians with uh, a, a lot of the online propaganda that we saw throughout the uh, the early portions of the uh, 2016 campaign. Right. Is the side that I believe needs to first recognize that they're being exposed to copious amounts of uh, of Russian propaganda that's convincing them to yeah. do and believe yeah. things that simply are not factually accurate, or, or, or simply uh, underscoring things they already tended to believe in their in their cynicism. Yeah. Uh, you know, and and where we can unite, I would hope, is on campaign finance reform. I think that's one thing that everybody on the left certainly agrees upon right. whether they were Bernie supporters or something else. Get the money out of politics, and then the Democrats won't be as bad. If you took money out of politics, the Republicans would never win another election. That's true. Ba- based based on the party's current social political stance. Uh, the party of racism is not going to be the party of inclusive. is not going to beat the party of inclusiveness if you take money out of the equation. Yeah. Yes, the, the Democrats are impure to say the least. I, the Democrats are rife. The Democratic Party, the DNC, is rife with problems. Granted, uh, the step one in fixing that is campaign finance reform. 
uh, and then that won't be the case. Then they one wouldn't. Then no one can say one is as bad as the other. But I think my problem is is that as soon as I start to have that kumbaya moment where they're like, yeah, we need to join forces and we need to fight, and yeah, we'll concede a little bit if you guys concede a little bit. The problem there becomes sometimes, sometimes a bit of information comes down that really just just pisses me off it just crawls up my ass and i want to scream about it and and the the thing this week was bernie sanders is lobbying the democratic party to give up super delegates and he's doing this through jeff weaver his uh, former campaign manager and i was like right. well you know what how about this how about you just go through the same process as every democratic presidential candidate for the last 50 years which is just just campaign <laughs> you campaign with the super delegates you campaign with the regular delegates you campaign state by state you shake hands you go to the garbage dump and you greet people there and you help them with their recycling and you proceed forward that way rather than trying to change the system especially when you don't even want to be a member of that party well, you're, yeah, you're coming you, yeah. in as an interloper and saying yeah. change the way you're doing things so i can win more easily and oh by the way i'm not even a member of your party so and yeah. it's, that doesn't compute to me it just irritates that's a, me you, that's perhaps the most important point of all is yeah. that he he isn't a democrat he's an independent yeah exactly uh, and and that's and that's fine uh again the, and and i'm not saying that some of the ideas for reform are wrong i I think we could use some reform uh, within the party. Oh, sure, uh, and and within obviously within the nation's campaign laws, yep. uh, we 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 need that reform. But uh, there, as long as we give people reason to believe I, I, that uh, the Democratic Party is just as corrupt as the Republican, I I don't know how much success we can have in convincing Bernie and his supporters to be Democrats. Uh, I, I, I'm not sure. I, I wonder, have we lost them forever? Uh, I, I, I think perhaps we have, yep. I, I don't know how to win them back as long as they continue to believe with some evidence that uh, the Democratic Party is nearly equally corrupt. Well, it's really hard to take a point of view that says, okay, we're not going to be a part of your party, but we're going to tell you what you should be doing with your party the whole time. And and we're doing that just to right. make sure that it's much easier for our Messiah yeah. uh, named Bernie to step in and to become a Democrat when it's convenient and then to run for president and make it really easy because there's no super delegates anymore, so maybe he has a better chance of winning. And then he's not going to be a Democrat anymore it's annoying it's not playing uh on the level it's a historical it's a factual i mean especially if you look at the the reasons for systems like super delegates and and mm -hmm. and the way they came about and the way they were instituted and which by the way bernie sanders voted in support of when yeah. it was an issue on the table and so uh so there's all of that and that just irritates me and that brings us i think farther away from mm. that meeting of the minds that i i do uh, believe needs to take place and yeah, well, and but uh, can we win the? But I mean, I'm picturing picturing us in uh, separate but adjacent foxholes in in, <laughs> yeah. in 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 a battle. Can we win against the enemy without the guys in the adjacent foxhole? I worry. I know that we can't. Well, I think ultimately, once you get past the primaries, 
it's mm-hmm. all hands on deck anyway. It's because it, it's it used to be. It should be. Yeah. Well, in, the, in terms of the midterms, once once we get past these primary elections where the Bernie people are supporting certain mm-hmm. candidates and the mainstream Democratic Party is supporting other candidates, that once that's out of the way and we're really looking at and really targeting the midterms in the in the in a general sense up against the uh, the Trumpers and the Republicans, then I think you have two foxholes in which we agree on the enemy. It's just leading up. To to that we can't even agree on who the enemy is because you know we we look back and we see uh, the the history of, uh, of of interference and how that the, this one foxhole as you put it uh, was uh, badly susceptible to that interference and and refusing to acknowledge that they were is even more mm-hmm. frustrating so I mean I could go on and on and on about this uh, yeah. but I mean let, let's get into the Democratic Party suing Trump. Yeah, these, these two topics are very uh, much connected, yes. So uh, this happened, I believe this news came down Thursday. We talked Late Thursday, we talked about it a little bit on the after party on, on Friday. And it's worth uh, mentioning again here on the free show. Uh, there is a precedent for this historically. Uh, insofar as the Democrats also sued the Republican Party and creep and so on uh, right. around Watergate. And now and they're doing one, it. And won. And won and took and got their check the day Nixon left office. <laughs> that's right. So that's right. So hopefully we'll see a repeat of that history. But I wanted to get your view on this, Buzz. Why is Donald Trump himself not one of the defendants? We've got Donald Trump Jr., We've got Donald Trump for President Inc. We, of course, have Paul Manafort, Roger Stone, Jared Kushner, George Papadopoulos, Rick uh, Gates. Uh, there are John Doe's one through ten. Of course, Trump pals Eamon and Eris Agalarov. I've been saying Agalarov. I think it's Agalarov. Who knows? Uh, who knows? Who cares? Plus, they're suing the Russian military intelligence, the GRU, and, of mm-hmm. course, the Russian nation itself, the Russian Federation. Uh, WikiLeaks, yeah. Right, and WikiLeaks, right, and uh, Julian Assange. So why is it that, oh, and some guy named Joseph Mifsud. I, I don't know who that is. But uh, why do you think Donald Trump's not on that list? I don't know. Uh, the funny, I have the, my, my Hollywood Squares answer is because that would have made it political. Yeah. Uh, but but I, don't, I don't have a real answer for that. I, I think... As with criminal charges, a civil case has to have basis. It has to have something you can show a judge to convince him he should hear the case. If they don't have anything on Trump and realize that this lawsuit is chock full of information that was gathered by the Mueller investigation, the criminal investigation, but it lays out enough of it and in an order that supports that lawsuit. Um, you know, so I'm guessing they didn't have yet, uh, the documentation that it would take to name Trump in the lawsuit itself. I think they could get it. One of the exciting, one of the other exciting things about the DNC lawsuit against, uh, the Trump campaign, WikiLeaks in Russia is that it not only, not only follows in the footsteps of that successful Watergate lawsuit, it also has the ability to obtain information that a criminal investigation cannot. It can turn up things we did not know and would not otherwise know had it not been for the civil suit. And uh, so, uh, you know, the the Democrats, I mean, the head of the Democratic Party says, uh, you know, our thinking was we want to make sure this doesn't happen again. And the only way to discourage it is to make sure 
that the people responsible are somehow punished for it. Uh, that so uh, you know I it strikes me as a good idea. It has not played well publicly. No. Uh, I I posted uh, simply without opinion uh, the breaking news that the DNC had filed that lawsuit, and among the responses I got, f the DNC uh, for. <laughs> Actually, he says it's, he censored himself, but it's F asterisk CK, the DNC for rigging the primaries. Arizona was especially horrible. Oh, Screw Wasserman, too. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, and, and so you get that. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, and, and there are other things. Uh, one guy says, oh, this is just to make lawyers rich. Yeah. See, this is the kind of cynicism uh. that you and I and the people listening to this program are up against as we prepare to do battle with the party of Trump, and right. uh, whether it's at a congressional level or at a presidential level. And I don't know how we reconcile this relationship. Here's another from a guy who says, and need we not forget the DNC also propped up Trump during the GOP primaries because they thought he was an easier opponent. Well, um, wait a minute. No, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. That is <laughs> that is wrong. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I don't know what yeah. this is. Of course, the 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 faction that I was just talking about. Yes, that, yeah. If you can't get them on board with something like this, yeah. I mean, my first instinct, and I I wish it wasn't this way. It's just a sign of the times. My first instinct is, who who are they working for? I mean, where are they getting their information? Where is it coming from? The same sources that we. I mean, is it coming from? somehow funneled through Guccifer? I mean, are they being subjected to the same misinformation that they were being subjected to uh, two years ago? In some, the of these are of very in, some of these are very intelligent people. And, and yeah. some of them, one of them I quoted there, has actually been, I don't know him personally, but he has uh, supported me through my career thick and thin. I've had a few uh, battles and a few ups and downs along the way, and this guy has stood by me. So in that respect, even though we've never met face-to-face, I consider him a friend. And yeah. in the end, uh, we, we did some discussing. <laughs> and in the end, we, we both agreed that we do feel the same about Trump and that we don't want this to ever happen again. And we ended up agreeing that we do have to go forward together somehow. Yeah. Uh, so huh, there's a little hope, you know. Uh, <laughs> but this really bothers me. This was the thing. This has been on my mind for the 12 hours or so leading up to our conversation today, Bob, and I I couldn't wait to talk to you about it because it, more than anything now, my worry of the week, no longer worried about Trump being successful in North Korea or with tax cuts. I'm past that. Now I'm worried. (laughs) Now I'm worried. i got to worry about something. Now I'm worried about uh, the division on the non-Trump side. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. that's something that I can't stop thinking about because I, you know, I, I I'm of so many causal uh, uh, theories about where this comes from, and it's something that Ches and I spent a lot of time talking about during the Hillary v. Bernie primaries uh, two years right. ago. Two years right. ago, right now, basically. Right. And uh, it's something that that Kimberly Johnson and I had a few furious arguments about just around the house because she was a a, a very uh, strong bernie supporter at the time yeah. uh, not so yeah. much anymore uh, i was at one point sure. yeah but i mean we got into some heated political debates about that at the time and the only thing that i can continuously come back to as being a reasonable explanation for why this disconnect is, well, we've got a lot of new participants in the political process who emerged Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. of Bernie Sanders. And maybe 
and I know they're just they're going to get so pissed at me for saying this, but what the fuck? It's like, uh, all right, they're pissed now. They've yeah, been pissed I at mean, me for a long time. We got it's like racism. If you don't talk about it, it's going to continue to bubble. Well, yeah, I mean, but my theory is is that they just don't know. They just don't know how the system works, and therefore they've got this suspicious attitude toward it like for example the superdelegate issue well the reason for the superdelegates is in order to win we have to put up candidates who can win you know, right. and, and, know and sometimes and I mean, it doesn't I, and sometimes it doesn't I, work yeah. but sometimes it gives us the right candidate it gave us barack obama in 2008 and it gave right. us bill clinton and these are all positive developments out yes. of the superdelegate process now if you look at some of the other candidates who could have been nominated without superdelegates then you get into more dicey territory now that may have not been the case with Bernie Sanders. But I mean, you know, I, I'm digressing here down the rabbit hole of superdelegates. It's easy the, to do. The, the point is to, that there has to be an understanding of the history of the party. There has to be an understanding of the history yeah. of superdelegates, where actually, if you go back to prior to 1972, you have a Democratic Party that didn't even really have primaries, where it was... You know, it was a bunch of uh, white guys in a, yeah. Yeah, in, a, in, a, in a back room with cigars deciding who the nominees are going to be and then throwing them out for the approval of the delegates at the convention. And that's how yeah. things worked. I, I don't know much, how much the average voter needs to know. I mean, they certainly have a right to know. But should you should it be required that you have an operating knowledge of the machinations of the Democratic Party and its nominating process? Uh, that information should be available to everyone. Yeah. I think some of this falls in the category of a little information is a dangerous thing. That's you true. have to rewind the tape a little bit to when people were just generally cynical about government. <laughs> Nothing yeah. specific. Mm. They just had a hunch that government screwed everything up. And then uh, somebody tapped into that. Trump was one of those people, but he is not alone. Uh, much of the Republican Congress uh, has uh, banked its political success on cashing in on that little bit of dissatisfaction that people felt yeah. and blowing it up, exaggerating it, making it appear much, much worse than even you imagined. Uh, and and <laughs> they this has gotten people fired up. The Russian propaganda on social media has gotten people fired up and fed them little bits of information that uh, they feel they can use as effective ammo uh, in their battle, whether it's uh, for Trump or for Bernie or for something else. And so this has been exacerbated and fed into by Republicans and Russians. Same thing. That's these true. Days. Yep. Uh, and uh, that's how we got to where we are. That's why we have this. And, and I, for some reason, I'm at a loss for the right word for angrily enthusiastic uh, <laughs> Bernie supporters. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's that's why there's such a challenge uh, for our conversations mm -hmm. uh, is because they've been amped up. And, and many of these people, and I started to say this earlier about these longtime friends, they're very intelligent people. Yeah. But they've been fed little bits of information mm -hmm. uh, that's either too much or not enough depending on your point of view yeah it's it's it, but it's not all the information and it's merely been spoon-fed to them provided to them uh without effort uh to support what they already tended to believe yeah and and god if 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 only we could communicate in a way 
where we all were operating off of the same basic facts and the same information yeah. and, and what those we're dealing gone, with. Man. Yeah, I mean, we're, those days are absolutely gone, especially when we're dealing with uh, the Republicans right now. But I mean, it's also happening on the left, too. And, it, and it's yeah. just a matter of it's it's a matter of all of us getting on the same factual page about all of these things. And and I don't know how that's going to happen because you try to you try to educate and suddenly you're you're talking down to and condescending to uh, to Bernie supporters supporters and so on mm-hmm. and it is mm-hmm. you know and it just gets it gets endlessly frustrating you end up in that uh, ongoing mobius yeah. strip of bullshit part of the embracing of trump by an angry angry electorate yeah. was uh, a, a rejection of intellectualism right uh, it was felt intellectualism for many americans felt it did not work during the obama years and they wanted out of it and by the way i i have now seen you know the democratic party was criticized for not recognizing the American working class anger uh, in preparing for the 2016 election. Yeah. I think uh, currently the Democratic Party is ignoring the anger on the left. You know, I, I think they are listening to the policy positions of the Bernie people. I think that is being incorporated. Certainly it was so. incorporated so. at the yeah. Democratic Convention in 2016. A lot of Bernie's mm-hmm. platform was... Uh, was injected into the Democratic Party platform, which I think was a good move. I think that was a very smart move because, as I've always said, Bernie is right on the issues. Yes. He's absolutely right on the issues. These are things that that need to happen. The problem is, is that procedurally, the how it will happen has always been murky to me. And (laughs) and no one has been able to give me an adequate explanation in terms of how we proceed about doing this, how we proceed... Yeah. Plus question mark equals profit. <laughs> exactly right. It's the underpants gnome theory. Absolutely. Exactly. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, before we wrap up, I do want to talk about this one bit from the Comey memos, uh, uh-huh. changing gears over to uh, to Trump and Russia. But this was, uh, uh, I think, a, a really good grab on behalf of, uh, of Rachel. And I think she was also echoing, uh, I believe, the New York Times. In the Comey memos, James Comey details a conversation that he had with Reince Priebus, who was then Uh the chief of staff. This is back in February of 2017. So this was uh, less than a month after the inauguration. Uh, In the Comey memo, it says here, (laughs) this is Comey writing contemporaneously seconds Uh after he had this conversation. Quote, I explained that the analysts from all three agencies, this is the Uh FBI, the CIA, and the NSA, Agreed it was relevant that portions of the material uh, uh, in the Steele dossier uh-huh. were corroborated by other intelligence. Portions, that, yeah, plural. Portions, right. Portions of the material were corroborated by other intelligence. Mr. Comey wrote in a memo in February 2017. Parts of the memo are redacted but appear to say that the information in the dossier, quote, was consistent with and corroborated by uh-huh. other intelligence. So, right. what this means is, is that the United States intelligence community, including the FBI, corroborated uh, yes. portions of the Steele dossier, right? Yes, right. Uh, it was consistent and corroborated with by other intelligence and that the incoming president needed to know that the rest of it was out there. So I'm not sure exactly what he means by the stuff that's corroborated and the rest of it. I don't know what James uh-huh. Comey was getting at there. It could just be 
that he's describing the dossier, or it could be that there are things in the dossier that are corroborated, and then there's other stuff that hasn't been corroborated yet. Because in many cases, they hadn't gotten to it. The way I understand it is immediately, upon receipt of the dossier, the FBI went to work seeing if any of this was true and started checking off, as we know from Comey's comments and from press accounts and other things, uh, these things one by one uh, began checking off as true. The FBI sort of made it a point not to look at the salacious stuff mm-hmm. for a very long time. I mean, they saw it in front of them, but they didn't, they didn't, even Steele was like 60-40 on whether this was true. Yeah, he, right. He, you know, he he wasn't totally convinced, but he thought it was probably true, but he, he didn't have enough evidence to say it's true. Uh, but he laid out what he had heard, what he had learned in this dossier, and the FBI saw that, and uh, it sounds shaky. It sounds a little far-fetched, a guy... Uh, watching women pee on each other on a bed that Barack and Michelle slept on. Uh, I mean, really, you wouldn't even put that in the book. And ultimately, you, you know, ultimately it doesn't, even, it doesn't even matter, Buzz, whether that shit is true, because the, right, the fact right. that, uh, that Donald Trump did this with prostitutes and the Ritz-Carlton, I mean, it doesn't even matter. It doesn't even amount to a hill of beans when you compare it to the things in the dossier exactly. that are most exactly. likely to have been corroborated by the United it, States Intelligence Community. And that it, would exactly. be, and that'd yeah. be like things like Cohen and Prague, Manafort's operations, right, Rick Gates, right. the, the right. compromising of uh, Carter Page and uh-huh. all of Carter Page's shenanigans. And that so- was the point I was leading up to, which is it one by one, these things in the dossier have been confirmed. And now we're down to, and you mentioned the the, the trip to Prague. Yeah. Uh, that would had been denied. That didn't happen. And now we know that it did happen. And then we have, now we're down, what's what's left in the dossier? Well, we're down to the salacious stuff. And, and we get down to Trump uh, is, is telling uh, Comey, that he didn't even spend the night in Moscow. <laughs> yes. and, and now and now we know that his plane landed on Friday and left on Sunday. Yep. So he he could have it appears spent two nights in Moscow. Uh the NBC News has been able to confirm that he did in fact spend one night in so Trump has lied about that and that's another thing in the Steele dossier that has now been confirmed and so one by one they have fallen like pins the Republicans have said all along this is all fantasy this is all political garbage made up and none of this is real Trump's called it fake news but now we're even down to the, the his nights in the hotel and we, we find out that even that part of the dossier is true. And each page of that dossier that proves true, has been proven true, makes the entire document more credible. Yeah. And uh, we're down to now the final details. You're right. At this point, and certainly uh, by uh, priority comparison, uh, the, the stuff with the hookers doesn't compare to anything else in the memo. But now it appears that even that's true. Yeah. And and so uh, when you see all these things, this this document that had been discounted by Republicans turns out to be very, very, very real. And even though it wasn't the basis of the FBI investigation, it did become part of it, and it has been largely confirmed. Uh, and so it can never be claimed again that this is a made-up document. Yeah. I mean, really, I mean, even the... 
just going back to the salacious bit, the, the PP tape specifically. Yeah, right. Even that is looking like it. There are elements of that story that could be true. I still believe that the PP tape idea is is not accurate. I still believe that that's some, some form of memory murder. <laughs> I, think, I think what's happening because remember Keith Schiller also testified. That's tr- Trump's Trump's own personal Mike Ehrman Trout, who said uh, to a congressional committee, he said, I think it was the House Intelligence Committee. In fact, he said that uh, that there was a night in which uh, he stood guard outside of trump's room at the ritz carlton and that For a while. and that the russians wanted to send five prostitutes into trump's room and keith right. schiller turned them down right and, and that, so i believe that there's memory merge between that story if true and yeah. the story about that las vegas nightclub or that las vegas strip club where trump uh-huh. went with felix sater and a bunch of russians i think the galarovs and so on and they saw that urination show at right. the strip club in vegas and i think those or, two stories yeah. were or, or or is that an interest of mr trump's uh, and the other reason yeah. I, the only reason i say that is because schiller in his testimony went on to say i stood outside trump's door for a bit and then i went to bed <laughs> yeah <laughs> now when you were a kid in your room and your parents went to bed, what did you do? You know, because uh-huh. because I, you know, there. In other words, Trump was not not that he necessarily should have been, but Trump was not under supervision that entire period of time. Nope. And we know he likes to stay up late and get up early. We know, <laughs> you know. So I and and the other thing is, and the, the only reason I I even have spent this much time on the P tape is that it is more compromat if true. It is uh, the financial. The, the Russians wanted anything and everything they could gather on Trump that could be used to leverage him. Yeah. And certainly these financial debts are uh, among them, but it's also good to know the dirty dirt as well. Yeah. And so they wanted all of that stuff. And, I, you know, if it turns out to be, I won't be brokenhearted. If it turns out to be untrue, yeah. Uh, but then I want to know more about Vegas. Yeah, well, but, I, yeah, but, <laughs> I want to know why he lied about it too. I want to know why right, he lied right, in a right. private conversation to James Comey is that he was only there one and, or not even one night. And and, he, and is that obstruction? I mean, he wasn't under oath or anything, but no. is that an obstruction of justice? Yeah, you're exactly yeah. right, right? And yeah. so, but but I mean, obviously, we're going to hear lots of oh, that's just fake news. You're making yeah. that up. And of course, all you got to do is go back and look at the FAA records to find out when Trump landed and when he departed. And it's it's very simple. By the way, a uh, little bit of breaking news: the yes. Dow currently is yes. is down five hundred thirty seven points. Sweet merciful crap! Yes, I know. It had been it had been down six hundred, and I I thought about telling you, but I thought it better not to. <laughs> right, right. All right. Well, along those I knew, lines, I knew you wouldn't take it well. <laughs> we just blew through our second commercial break, but I don't think Bubble Genius is going to mind. Uh, but uh, good stuff. yeah, we still have lots of uh, talking to do about. Jesus, uh, we're going to talk about uh, Trump talking about how he uh, would have fired Rosenstein and Mueller if he had been the target of the investigations. Plural. Uh, we're going to yeah. talk about that a little bit because that was what that set me off Thursday. I just went bananas on Twitter because of that. And here we are getting information that that Trump is literally planning on obstructing justice if he had been the target of the uh, investigation. I I don't if you take nothing else away from today's show, take this. I don't like him very much. <laughs> yeah, you get that impression? Me neither. I, I maybe I haven't been emphatic enough about my distaste for this president. Hmm. Uh, plus, we're going to talk about uh, maybe a little bit of Sean Hannity. Uh, Good. I, I mentioned uh, George H. W. Bush. Uh, uh-huh. Then we're going to talk about uh, oh maybe uh, 
Trump screwing with Native Americans because, of course, he's the nicest guy in the world, right? Great, the best temperament, greatest guy. Spo- spoiler alert: He sued the Pequots. <laughs> Jesus Christ, this asshole! He is such an asshole. Okay, uh, that's coming up next on the Postmortem Show. You can listen to the Postmortem Show on our Patreon page. Just all you got to do to find the Patreon page is to go to bobseska.com. It's that easy just beneath the logo. The all-caps Patreon link is clickable, so please click it. And that takes you to our Patreon page where you can sign up for $5 a month, $10 a month, $15 a month, and you get all kinds of bonus content for your subscription. So thank you to all of our Patreon subscribers for supporting the show. We really, really appreciate that, as always. Uh, Just some uh, plugs here at the last minute. Uh, Buzz Burbank, of course, can be found at buzzburbank.com and at realmnetwork.com, also on Stitcher Radio and iHeartRadio, brand new. iHeartRadio is great. Uh, plus, Mark and Lowell's show can be found at realmnetwork.com. Jody Hamilton's at from-the-bunker.com. Jackie Schechner at investigaterussia.org. Kimberly Johnson's at patreon.com slash startmeup, where Molly Jong Fast will be uh, Kimberly's special guest this week. David Ferguson's at facebook.com slash compromatban. And Jen Kirkman's tour dates can be found at jenkirkman.com. Postmortem show coming up next. We'll see you over there, folks. Bye-bye.